right, Krishna, welcome to our Sunday Bhagavatam class to my left. <laughs> that picture, I'm in Bloomington, Indiana. That's a picture of the entrance to Indiana University on the wall. So we have some very interesting verses today. Hopefully we will finish chapter 11 and uh, very important and very interesting theological statements in the verses today. So, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. So, we begin today with verse 111.33. Yadyapiaso Parshwagato Rogatas Tatapi Tasyangri Jugam Navam Navam Pade Pade Ka Virameta Tatpadat Ka Virameta Tatpadat Dilapi Jatsvir Najati Karisha. So this verse introduces a, a, you could call it a theological or philosophical argument. Um, as we know, this material world is a reflection, a perverted reflection, Prabhupada always called it, of the spiritual world. So what that means practically, if you consider the, the, the reflection, Let's say if you uh, look at a reflection in, a, in, a, in clear water, then what is highest in the real object becomes lowest in the reflection. And uh, so in that sense, uh, what is highest in the spiritual world, which is Krishna's conjugal affairs or pastimes, relationships with the gopis, and in this case, the queens of Dwarka. Uh, so it becomes the strongest material attachment and the most bewildering material attachment, as the Bhagavatam often teaches. So sexual attachment or that bodily attachment. But a result of that, because you have this dynamic of a reflection that the highest becomes the lowest, it, is, it becomes most difficult for conditioned souls who are not in pure consciousness to understand that Krishna's highest pastimes are really spiritual, precisely because in the reflected form, they're the most physical or most, uh, you could say mundane or strongest attachment in this world. So that dilemma or that dynamic is addressed in, in the rest of the chapter, actually. Uh, this is verse 33, I think. There's, so there's seven verses, uh, including this one, that end this chapter. So let's see how it's addressed. The first point is, so, so here, basically, the Bhagavatam is giving evidence or saying, look, these pastimes are not mundane, and here are some of the indications, evidence or indications, uh, 
suggestive, very suggestive facts, uh, which would point to the pure spirituality of Krishna's conjugal affairs. So let's see how the Bhagavatam does that. So in the first two lines of this verse, you have the word yadiyapi, even if, and then tataapi in the second line, uh, that uh, even so. In other words, even if, or even though, uh, Krishna, so he, Lord Krishna, parshwagata, literally uh, went to the side, went, was, was at the side of these queens in Dwarka. In other words, there wasn't even physical detachment. He was right there by their side, parshwagata, and rahogatas. And he did this, he went to a very uh, raho, like concealed or very private, that's the word here, I think, the best way to translate rahas here, raho, is uh, he went to very private situations with them. He was right by their side because they're, you know, they're a couple. And so tatapi, even so, tasyangri yugam, his two feet, literally, tasyangri yugam, his pair of feet, or his, his, his two feet, were navam navam, were newer and newer to these ladies. And the reason you find this language, even if or even though he did this, still, still, uh, his, lotus, his feet were newer and newer because in the material world, when two people are always together, they get tired of each other. They begin to annoy each other or irritate each other. There was, um, someone just sent me, uh, some devotees in Germany just sent me uh, this news article where uh, this young man and woman, this young couple wanted to make an experiment. So they literally locked each other together. I think, I can't remember whether it was their, their legs or their, their hands or arms or something, but they, they literally, tied themselves, locked themselves together, I forget, for a long time. And of course, at the end of it, they, you know, they never wanted to see each other again. So that's the evidence that the gopis, his lotus feet were still newer and newer, even though he was right by their side. Pade, pade, at every step. And then the rhetorical question is asked, ka who could be detached or who could not take pleasure in yeah, his his feet, and then chala pi yet shir, and then an example given that shri that shir with ch is actually the word shri, uh, the goddess of fortune chala api, even though she uh, moves about. Now this is a a common, you could say, image which is found in the shastra and the Bhagavatam that. Because fortune is flickering. As we know, a family may be rich, and then in one generation or less, they may lose everything. And so, and so because fortune itself is flickering, uh, this is kind of poetically translated into the goddess of fortune is flickering or does not steady, you know, goes here, then goes there. And so even Sri the fortune personified, the goddess of fortune, uh, Najahati Karichit, never gives up his feet. 
So these examples are being given to show that, that Krishna is not mundane because no one can always enjoy the company of another person in a mundane relationship or a mundane person because you, you, know, you get tired of it after a while. So this that's the point that's being made here. And then... Uh, uh, And then another evidence is given, or anecdotal evidence, or from Krishna's pastimes about how Krishna's not mundane. This, he's not a mundane person. So it's said here in uh, verse 34, evam nirpanam kshiti bhara janmanam akshohini vi paribhritta tejasam vidhaya vairam shwasano jatanalam mito vadein oparato nirayuda. That so the two most passionate activities in this world are sex or romantic love and violence. And so uh, I once looked up in the first 300 chapters of the Mahabharata, I did a computer search to see how the word dharma is used and a dharma, and it's used almost exclusively in relation to sex and violence. In other words, dharma is applied to relationships between a man and woman and also to the use of violence. So sex and violence, sex either in the physical form or the subtle form as a type of psychological, you know, romance and all that. These are the two strongest material passions. And therefore, these are the two cases when Krishna engages in romantic love or when Krishna engages in violence. These are the two cases when people are most likely to think that Krishna is mundane or his activities are mundane. And so having given the example of sex or, or romantic love, now the Bhagavatam addresses violence in Krishna Lila. And so it said here that uh, Vidaya in the third line, Vidaya having arranged or having ordained uh, Vairam enmity, uh, enmity among, uh, and go back to the first line, Evam Nirpanam, thus having arranged enmity among the kings, Nirpanam, Chiti Bhara Janmanam, whose birth was a burden to the earth. Chiti means the earth, and Bhara is burden. So whose birth was a burden to the earth. And Akshohini uh, Bhi, with their great armies, with their Akshohinis, Paribhritta Tejasam, they, uh, you know, they had all this power, Tejas. Um, one second, I just, uh, the word Paribhritta is interesting here. Apari uh, means around, and Britta means turning or functioning. So the word uh, paribhritta is defined in the dictionary as turned, turned around, revolved, moving to and through, a fro, lasting, remaining. Uh, and so Tejasang, who these kings, whose, um, <clears throat> whose power was moving all over the earth, whose power was moving all over the earth, whose power covered the earth. 
surrounded the earth, also the meaning of this. And, uh, and so among these kings, whose birth was a burden on the earth, who were, uh, whose power spread everywhere by their kshohinis, among these kings arranging enmity, Byram, uh, mutual enmity, uh, which was like, and it's compared here to the wind spreading fire. As you know, there's a forest, if the wind is gusting, if the wind becomes strong, it just dramatically spreads the fire. So this combination of wind and fire is very dangerous. Uh, so Krishna though, it's interesting, Krishna acted like wind spreading this fire which burned up all these dangerous forces. And he caused them to destroy each other, mito, mutually. Mito vedena, by mutual killing. Vedena means by killing. So by mutual killing, uh, Krishna uh, removed, of course, this burden. And then Uparata, he was detached. Uparata. The word Uparata in Sanskrit uh, means uh, seized, stopped, quiet, indifferent, uh, so uh, withdrawn, retired, so uh, detached. So Nirayuda and Ayuda. So near means without, Ayuda, without a weapon. So Krishna personally, uh, Prabhupada translates, without being a party to such fighting, near Ayuda means without Ayuda, and Ayuda means a weapon. So Krishna had no weapons. As you know, he didn't fight directly in the battle of Kurukshetra. There was one little incident with Bhishma. But basically, Krishna didn't fight. So Krishna had no evidence, no weapon. He was detached from everything. And yet, he arranged for all these powerful warriors to kill each other to relieve the burden of the, of the earth because these people, their very birth was Kshitivara, a burden to the earth. So again, stressing that even in this most violent, most passionate activity, Krishna is uparata, he's detached, he's withdrawn. He, he's just arranging things for the benefit of the world. So the next verse, So that very Lord, Saisha, that very person, uh, Avatirna has descended. There's a word avatara, which means uh, descent, and avatirna means descended. So that very person has descended in this human world, Nataloke, in this human world. Swamaya, by his own maya, Reme, Sri Ratna Kuta Sto, he enjoyed standing sto at the peak. Kuta means peak, so Kuta Sta. Uh, means standing at the peak, standing at the peak of the jewels of women. In other words, among women, there are jewels of women, and among women who are like jewels, there there's like you know the very highest, and that's where Krishna was situated. 
So he enjoyed in that way uh, Bhagavan, the Lord Prakrita Jata. Prakriti means means matter. Prakrita, we the word we have here, it means material. As if he was a mundane person. As if he was a mundane person. He enjoyed standing at the very peak of, of you know the jewels of women, most beautiful women. Uh, yet he was detached and of a tirna he descended by his own by his own energy. In other words, we are forced to appear in this world. We didn't choose our bodies. There's all this new age stuff about how between lives you choose bodies. Maybe you go to some big like um, I don't know. Uh, body Walmart or something, you know, maybe there's a catalog and you choose your body. Not really. So, Saisha Nataloke Smin. I mean, our bodies are connected to our previous life because, in a sense, we're choosing the next body by the way we choose to live our life, but it's placed upon us. So, Saisha Nataloke Smin of the so that very person uh, descended in this human world by his own power enjoyed standing at the peak of jewels of women, uh, the Lord, as if he were mundane, as if he were a material person, a conditioned soul. But then the next verse says, Udama bhava pishunama lavalguhasa bridava loka nihato madano pijasam. So again, uh, emphasizing how Krishna cannot be tempted he cannot be attracted by any material object. It's said here that Madanoa P, even Cupid, even Cupid, Nihata, was uh, defeated, sort of uh, struck down, literally. Nihata conquered, Prabhupada says. Uh, even Cupid was conquered by the Vridavaloka, the shy glances, the smiles, Hasa Valgu, uh, the charming uh, Amala Valgu Hasa, these uh, pure, charming smiles and shy glances and uh, exciting, Bhav, exciting emotion. Uh, Udama, unlimited. Dama, as you know, means rope. Or, or something that ties, like in Dama Udara, Damodara. So Udama means like sort of unfettered, or uh, yeah, unfettered or, or unchanged, just completely. So very something very strong. So by these uh, very strong uh, feelings of spotless smiles and beautiful, beautiful, charming smiles and shy glances. By all this, of these yasam, of these particular ladies, um, even Cupid, Madanopi, even Cupid was struck down, was conquered. And Cupid, Samuhya, being bewildered, completely bewildered by this, Chabam Ajahat, which means put down his bow. You know, the idea is that Cupid shoots this arrow which arouses lust or romantic love in others, but he just put down his bow. He was just completely defeated, conquered. So those women, those best of women, Pramada Uttamasta, those best of women that did this to Cupid, 
Yasyendriyam vimatitum kohakayar nasheku. Nasheku, uh, we're unable, we're unable. Uh, sheku is a, a past tense verb from the root shak, from which you get the word shakti. So, so they did not have the power. They were unable. Uh, those women, those best of women were unable to uh, bewilder or perturb his senses. Yasya means of Krishna, his, of, of whom they were unable to disturb the senses. Kuhakaya, by all their tricks, by all their clever little tricks and Prabhupada translates it here, magical feats. Uh, it's an interesting word, Kuhakam, if you know the Bhagavatam, the first verse uh, ends, Sadani Rasta Kuhakam, Satyam Parangdhima, he let us meditate on that highest truth in whose abode or in whom there is no Kuhaka. So I'll explain what Kuhaka means. Uh, it means it's translated as juggling deception, trickery. In other words, like like tricking people or seducing them or enchanting them. So even these women, by all their tricks, by all their attempts uh, to attract him, they could not disturb his senses, even though they totally wiped out Cupid. Cupid is just gone. He put his bow down like, you know, I can't do this. So they completely bewildered Cupid, but they could not disturb the Lord's senses. They, had, they didn't have the power to do that. So again, stressing that even in the midst of these most uh, of these activities, which in the material world are the most passionate, which cause the most attachment, but in Krishna, there's absolutely no trace of any material quality. So then, Wrapping up this chapter, text 37, Tamayang Manyate Loke Loko. Tamayang Manyate Loko. So Ayang Loka, this world, meaning this material world, this world, Manyate thinks, Tam, that he, Krishna, he is Sangam, who is indeed detached. A P, even though he is really detached, they think him to be an attached person. And that's very common. I mean, you know, probably most of the people in the world, when they hear about Krishna, find it hard to believe he's the pure supreme form of God. Because like, what is God doing with queens and palaces? So he, Krishna, is asangam. He has no attachment. But they think he's sanginam. They think he is attached and that's what this world thinks about him. And why do they think that way? Atmopanyena, uh, by comparing Krishna to themselves. Atma means, you know, themselves, and opanyena, by comparison. Upa, upama in Sanskrit means uh, to, to compare, because ma is to measure, and upa means near. So you bring two things together and you measure them. That's called upama. So therefore, Krishna, who's beyond compare, one of Krishna's name is, is anupama. Anupama, literally like no comparison. So uh, here we have, the, and so from the word upama, you have opamya, which means by comparing. 
by making a comparison. So atmopamyena, by comparing Krishna to themselves, uh, they think he's manujam, just an ordinary human being. Vyaprin vanam, uh, who's, who's just engaged you know, in, in the material world. And why Jito? Because, Jito means because, Abuddha, they have no intelligence. Or the world has no intelligence. Abuddha. Uh, loko, because the, actually the world is loko. Uh, because I am loka, this world is Abuddha. No brain, no intelligence. And so therefore they completely misunderstand Krishna. So then, <clears throat> Very beautiful verse, saying second to last verse. Etad ishanam ishasya. This is the lordship of the Lord, in a sense. That's what it's saying. Ishanam ishasya. This is the uh, the word ishanam uh, in Sanskrit means the the power, the commanding power, the lordship. So this is the lordship of the Lord. Etad ishanam ishasya. Prakriti even though he comes to this material world, he's standing or he's present in this world, Prakriti Stoapi, Tadgunaikna Yujate, he's not actually connected to, he's not affected by its qualities. Tadgunaihi means its qualities, the qualities of this world, the gunas. Sadatmastaya. Because those qualities are always sada atmastar. They exist within him. He owns them. And uh, they come from him. Yata buddhis tadasraya. Just like, here's the example, just like yata buddhi, intelligence, which is tadasraya, intelligence, which is sheltered in Krishna. Intelligence, which is sheltered in Krishna. Uh, is not mundane. So even these qualities, because they are sheltered in Krishna, they exist within Krishna. He creates them. Therefore, uh, they never have power over him. They ne so these gunas never have power over Krishna. Nothing has power over Krishna because everything comes from Krishna and is under his control. So that's the idea. And then the last verse in this chapter, Let's see how, how the Bhagavatam wraps it up here. So, Tang Meni Reya Bala Mudha. Strainam Chanu Pratang Raha. So, the Abala, these women, it's an interesting word for women. It literally means not strong. I mean, women are generally, obviously, there are exceptions, but generally not as physically strong. This is science, not male chauvinism. So, uh, because they're not as strong in some ways, so, and of course they're stronger in other ways, but therefore one word for women is abala, not the, you know not strong. So and mudha, mudha Prabhupada translated as ass a lot of the time or fool, but it can also just mean confused. It can just mean it doesn't always mean ass or fool. Uh, it can also just mean confused. In the dictionary, it's uh, stupefied, bewildered, bewildered, perplexed, confused, uncertain, or at a loss about, or can have a stronger meaning, stupid, 
foolish, dull, simply simple. So here, this verse is obviously not calling Krishna's queen stupid or foolish, but rather saying they were confused. And they were confused not because they are contaminated. They're confused because Krishna plays his part so wonderfully. Krishna is, among other things, the supreme actor. And therefore, when Krishna plays the part of a human being, it's a perfect performance. And so therefore, these ladies, Abala, they were mudha, they were confused. And in, in that confused state, Manire, they thought that he was strinum, uh, controlled by women, that he was just, you know, an attached guy. It's just like a woman, you know, wants to see, okay, some women, I mean, women are different, but many women want to see that my husband or boyfriend is attached to me. Uh, so, you know, sort of controlled by women. So they thought that Krishna was under their control because uh, because he would follow them into secluded places and apramana bidobhartur. But these queens in this yoga maya, this is not Mahamaya, they, uh, uh, they did not know the measure of their husband. Bhartur means the husband. The husband is called Bharta, which means the maintainer, and the wife is called Bharya, means she is to be maintained, that a husband should take care, maintain his wife, see that she has what she needs. Therefore, the wife is Bharya, to be maintained, and the husband is Bharta, the maintainer. So of their husband, they did not know the pramana. They did not know his measure. They did not know the extent of their husband. So uh, pramana can also mean evidence, the sense of the measure of something. Uh, so that's what it means. The measure of something, the actual extent of something, in that sense, the evidence of it. So they didn't know the measure of their husband, Ishwaram, who is the Lord, Matayo Jata, just as this very interesting statement, Matayo, Matayaha, Prabhupada translates as, as theses, it's the plural. A Mati, the idea here is that mundane theses or mundane theories uh, don't know the actual extent of God, so the queens didn't know him. Very interesting. Uh, so mati can mean a thought or uh, an opinion, a notion, idea, belief, conviction, a view, a creed. So mundane ideas, mundane opinions, mundane creeds, even religious creeds, just as they do not know the full measure of the Lord, so the queens did not know the full measure of their husband. So, as you can see, all these verses are basically, in, in, in a very brilliant way, making the same argument that whatever it looks like to you who are in the material world, Krishna is not mundane. And here are different indications and evidence that even though Krishna is engaged in romance and violence this is not mundane in krishna in fact it's some it's completely spiritual in krishna so that's the idea here 
of these verses. So we finished chapter 11. Now I will see if there are any questions. I, I found this actually, I mean, this topic, these verses very interesting. Ah, so looking for the question marks. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for your questions. Um, okay, here's a question without the question marks. People have gotten salvation in life even without Bhagavad Gita. Then why do we need to read Bhagavad Gita? Because we seek salvation in life. Well, first of all, exactly who got salvation and what kind of salvation they got, uh, you may not perfectly understand. Uh, that's called eschatology. Uh, eschatology, like according, it, it's according to a particular theology, what happens to you at the time of death? Where do you go? What happens? So the creation of Krishna is very big. And this idea that you're saved or you're not saved really comes from sort of the, some, uh, I mean, not the idea of salvation, but like this very narrow focus on, am I saved? You know, are you saved? It really comes from the, uh, I would say the, what was the word I'm thinking of? Uh, coercive, if not, uh, worse theology that came from some forms of Christianity where it's really just sort of like threatening people in the most horrible way. It's like if you pull a gun and tell someone, if you don't do what I want, I'll shoot you. That's coercion. And so when you say to somebody, if you don't do what I say, you'll be tortured forever. I mean, almost anybody, if they had to choose die or be tortured forever, very, very few people would choose eternal torture. So it's like the worst possible threat you can make to someone. And so if, if you look, for example, in the, um, in, the, in the battles in the 1500s and 1600s between the Protestants and Catholics, and what scholars say is that if you look at on these horrible, bloody, torturous wars and, and also theological battles, that the main point of contention, like what were they really fighting about? It was about salvation. Like who really knows about salvation? Because when you, when you traumatize someone, when you threaten them in the most horrible way, they can't really think about anything else. So what's interesting is, that these threats of eternal torture, eternal damnation, they, they, they traumatized people so much that the people couldn't really think very much about, well, what is God and what does it mean to love God? I mean, you know, some people were thinking about it, but a lot of people, uh, they, they were so traumatized, they couldn't think of it. All they could think about is, am I saved? Am I not saved? So, um, so that's not, you know, the big question. Do you get salvation? The big question is, am I pleasing God? Am I pleasing Krishna? So there are many different levels of salvation. And the idea that you're just saved or not saved, that's more of a Christian idea. Whereas in more serious theology, more nuanced 
and uh, I would say more accurate theology, it's understood that there are many different levels of salvation. So it's not just you are or you're not. It's what salvation are you getting? So can someone that knows nothing about Krishna who thinks that Krishna is the devil, can that person go to Krishna Loka? Very unlikely. So there are many different levels of salvation. People get them according to their qualifications. It's not just, you know, one size fits everyone. So Jagat Palana, Lord Chaitanya says that the Veda is self-evident. Does this imply that its veracity cannot be proven? No, uh, it implies the opposite. It implies that the Veda is proves itself in the most powerful way because as Aristotle points out, uh, some, you know, proving itself, something that proves itself, that's the highest form of proof and that's the foundation of all other forms of proof. What should we think about vaccinated gurus hereby, especially this dangerous COVID? Uh, we're definitely not going to get into that debate. Uh, I'm not a scientist personally. Uh, what should we think about them? What do I mean? I can tell you what I think about them. I think they're intelligent. And uh, I had absolutely no side effects, no bad effects, and uh, I didn't get COVID. And places where large numbers of people didn't get vaccinated and continued to associate, they had terrible outbreaks of the disease. So anyway, I'll leave it there. I don't think, you know, Prabhupada came to the West to recruit people to convince the world not to be vaccinated. So I don't think that's really what we need to worry about. So, Alexandra uh, Vira. Krishna came to cause the destruction of corrupt dynasties like fire, like the fire. Before him, Lord Parashuram had come to destroy many Kshatriya generations, are we to conclude kings are irrevocably inclined to corruption? Hmm. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. So, uh, very interesting question. No, because the two cases, I mean, it's a very interesting question, but the two cases are completely different. Uh, in the case of the Kshatriyas killed by Parashuram, they were homegrown. They were local. They were just human kings that got stupid and then uh, Parashuram killed them. Whereas uh, the uh, corrupt dynasties that Krishna killed were not actually from the earth. That was an invasion of Asuras. So if we just look at earthly kings, then most of the time they're not, well, at least back then they were not so bad. Most of the time they did a fairly good job. And some of them were truly Rajarshi, saintly kings. But um, so, yeah, we have a case of local earthly kings going bad, and that's Parashuram. And then we have a case of an invasion of Asuras from other planets. And those are the ones that Krishna arranged to get rid of. Um, so, Ingo Benji, I don't know if you have a spiritual name, and I'm reading your other name is just because that's what I can see. Is it always a good example to get vaccinated? Oh, here we go again with COVID-19 vaccines, which are not really proven. Okay, I'm not going to go into that. I um, Probably no one listening to this class is actually 
a completely uh, educated scientist in this area. If you are, then sorry, but I suspect no one is. And uh, anyway, Hare Krishna. So Leela Kar, uh, we thank you for your classes. They are always appreciated. Okay, in relation to verse 36, we can understand that the conjugal pastimes of Krishna are very deep. How can one understand in a healthy, most ideal way, the Lord's most sin? Well, by becoming Krishna conscious. And to do that, you practice bhakti yoga, taught by Prabhupada. Uh, okay. Sometimes Krishna is described as Cupid. Who is Cupid anyway? <laughs> yeah, um, the only time Cupid seems to appear is uh, when he gets you know, burned up by Lord Shiva because he tried to agitate Shiva. So uh, Madana, Cupid, he doesn't appear a lot. Uh, so um, who is Cupid anyway? Uh, I only know what you know, and that's what's in the Shastras. Why are all these devotees in these pastimes not aware who Krishna is? Well, because there is yoga maya. In other words, if the queens were thinking, oh, that this is God, Krishna is God, I'm seeing God, uh, it would be hard to be his wife in that mood. Uh, of course, many men want their wives to see them that way, but um, <laughs> but it actually doesn't make for a great relationship. So that's yoga maya. Uh, they... In, 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 Maha, Mahamaya means that when it when it it's effect when it when Mahamaya acts upon you, your love for Krishna gets weaker. When Yoga Maya acts upon you, your love for Krishna becomes stronger. So they have exactly the opposite effect, and the queens are obviously under Yoga Maya. So Yaduraj. Thus, how to ascertain Krishna's will when we are to make a difficult life decision and everything is just so cloudy? Well, this is a good opportunity. If you have to make an important life decision and you can't figure out what Krishna really wants, that's Krishna forcing you to be more Krishna conscious. It's Krishna forcing us to pray more earnestly uh, and really, really surrender to Krishna so that we can understand what he's telling us. If, if you have to make an important decision and you're not sure what Krishna wants, that's Krishna's arrangement to make you surrender more and become more Krishna conscious. That was actually the case of uh, the child Narda. Krishna appeared to him and then disappeared. And then Krishna actually said, I did this. So you would become even more intense in your devotion and surrender to me. So uh, thank you all very much. And that's it. Uh, if there are any other questions I didn't read, someone better tell me very quickly because that's what always happens. Not always, but often enough. So I don't see any other questions. And uh, so I guess time to say goodbye. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, and I uh, hope we will be together 
next week. Hare Krishna.